Thank you for tuning into the Healthy Minds podcast, where we host conversations with people who are really good listeners, and we ask them to share with us. I'm Lucy Caldwell, and I work for the Fairfax County Public Schools. Today's topic is a difficult one, and I want to say that up front, but there's, in my view, no more important one for educators, parents, and the community to address. Youth suicide. We're talking today with Whitney McDonough. She's a social worker at West Potomac High School. She's been a social worker with FCPS for over 25 years, and she has a wealth of knowledge and experience working with adolescents and families. During her time here, she's worked with all levels of education, elementary, middle, and high school, and she's been in specialized programs such as public day schools, school-based special education programs, working with emotionally disabled students. Her most recent assignment is West Potomac High School, where she's been for 12 years. At West Potomac, Whitney provides individual and group interventions, consults with teachers and parents regarding emotional, behavioral, and learning challenges. And some of the areas of her expertise include suicide prevention, threat assessment training, crisis team leadership, and teaching educators how to create trauma-informed classrooms. Her passion, however, is working with teens and helping them cope with relationship and social issues, anxiety, and depression. When she's not working, she loves to be outside with her husband and two dogs, walking, hiking, biking, or sitting on the front porch and reading a good book. She's a mom to three adult children, twin boys who recently graduated from college, hooray, (laughs) and a daughter who's in her third year of college. Whitney received her master's in social work at Smith College School for Social Work and has been trained in psychodynamic, interpersonal, and family systems techniques. Thank you for being here, Whitney. Thank you for having me. What a resume. Gosh, we're so lucky to have you. We really are. And and I know it's a tough subject, and so I want to warn anybody listening that um, the conversation, we just try to be real. We try to talk on the Healthy Minds podcast about issues and topics that if you haven't been impacted, someday you may. So it's good to have these conversations. I want to say that most recent data by the CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, indicate that the rate of suicide among people aged 10 to 24 increased by nearly 60 percent between 2007 and 2018. This is a serious public health tragedy, and we have to look at why this is happening. I just read yesterday when I was getting ready to have this conversation with you that 7 in 10 teens is struggling with their mental health right now. Mm-hmm. Probably pandemic-related, I'd say, in all the isolation. In June, the CDC surveyed Americans on their mental health, and they found that symptoms of anxiety and depression were up sharply across the board, and young people were the hardest hit of any group. Almost 11% of the respondents to the CDC survey said that they had seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. For those ages 18 to 24, the number was one in four, almost twice as high. And it's good to have you here now, even though it's October, because September was Suicide Prevention Month. And I want to discuss a program that's part of nearly all FCPS middle and high schools called Signs of Suicide, or SOS. And students aren't in school right now, so how are we doing this SOS program, first of all, in the virtual world? 
Well, we, that's where we really turn to parents because we really need parents' help. We're trying to figure out how to do that in the virtual world. Um, and in the regular world, when we're in brick and mortar buildings, we have a program called SOS, Signs of Suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an educational curriculum. Um, it's a nationally recognized suicide prevention curriculum. And what it does is it raises awareness about behavioral health and it encourages students to act. So when I say to act, that is a verb, but also act is an acronym um, that stands for awareness, care, and tell. Um, and it's so important to know the signs of suicide because, like you said, this is a serious health issue that's affecting a huge, um, you know, a huge segment of our population. Um, and your statistics are absolutely right. Suicide has increased, um, and it is, it is the second leading cause of death for kids age 10 to 20. Um, so we really we need to bring awareness to it, and we need to talk about how we can prevent it because it is a very preventable situation. Um, so this program, uh, as you said earlier, has been implemented in our middle and high schools for the mm-hmm. past several years by mm-hmm. social workers, psychologists, and counselors. And um, it, the goal of it is to reduce suicide attempts and to increase student knowledge uh, and, and attitudes about depression. Um, so it, it does help reduce the stigma, hopefully, of mental illness. And it really encourages personal help seeking or help seeking for friends mm-hmm. or on behalf of a friend. Um, so, so that's the gist of the program. And the kids watch a video, and following the video, um, they fill out a questionnaire, um, a seven-question survey um, assessing their risk for depression and or suicidal risk. And, um, and then we see those kids immediately. So it's a pretty comprehensive program. What types of class or course are they exposed to this program in? Well, at the high school level, it's their advisory class. It's okay. um, a period that they have every other day for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to do a lot of social-emotional learning lessons in that class. And so it's usually presented in that class. Is this something that's sort of new with FCPS, or has it been ongoing? We've been doing this for several years now at the middle and high school level. What are some of the reactions you get when you talk about this program? And um, are kids comfortable with this? or when you, Especially when you you begin when you first start it what's the reaction of kids when you walk in Um, how do you open the program right well we open by saying exactly how you opened this podcast saying Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about a subject that's really hard to talk about but we need to talk about it because it's important Um, and we want you to pay close attention to this video because you're going to learn a lot of things you're going to learn what to look for Um, while there's no one cause of suicide um, the common, uh, you know, the common condition associated with suicide is depression. Mm-hmm. It's either undiagnosed depression or untreated depression. So we we want to educate the kids as to what to look for, so that they will know if they have a friend who is really struggling, they will know what to do. So they'll know they'll recognize the signs, and then they'll know what to do. And also, if they're having trouble, so this is, you know, it's. You asked what their reaction is. We've had reactions across the board. Some kids are happy to be there because they're getting out of class. Some kids would love to do their homework. We've had to take homework away. Some kids would like to be on their phone. We have Mm -hmm. them put their phones in a paper bag so they can't see. I mean, we try to do everything to reduce the number of distractions. Um, But I I think for the most part, people appreciate it. 
Um, Do they rate it after the class, and say, or is there any kind of feedback or evaluation? Uh, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the evaluation is their survey that they complete at the end, which really assesses their risk for mm-hmm. suicide. Um, but other than that, we don't get feedback like, yeah, this was great, or I wish I didn't have to do this. Do so, you have kids or students come up to you afterwards and want to talk? Absolutely. Good. And, and depending on how these kids answer the survey, we meet with sometimes 20 to 30 kids in that one day after the video. Mm-hmm. Um, if, they, if they've answered questions in a certain way, we pull them to make sure that they're okay. And we do send several. Every time we do the screening, we send several to Maryfield mm-hmm. um, for an emergency evaluation. So Remind everybody what Maryfield is. Maryfield is the emergency it's an emergency psychiatric hospital, and it's open 24-7. Mm-hmm. And if you have any concerns about your child or about somebody else's child, that's where you need to be, is at Maryfield. It's such a serious topic, and it's probably so hard for parents to to hear this, that the numbers that you're talking about, just in your school, in your program, that are sent to uh, talk about these issues with an external professional. And while there's certainly nothing to be afraid of, this is the first step and the bravest step that anybody can take, wouldn't you say? At 100%, yes. What are some of the things that the kids say to you about the pressures that they're seeing? I mean, what could be so, you know, it's hard for parents like myself to understand what could be so hard that these kids are facing. So share with us some of the things that you feel and your colleagues feel that are so hard that might surprise parents. Mm-hmm. Well, I think social media is very a very difficult thing for these kids. That's where they are all the time. Right. And there's so many different platforms. There's Snapchat and Instagram, and I, I don't even know most of them. Um, but people are posting pictures of them having a great time. And, you know, they always look fabulous. They only post the pictures where, you know, they're having fun. Um, And that's hard. That's hard to see because then you think everybody's having fun except for me. So I think the social media aspect is very challenging for our kids. What do you say to them when they when they talk to you about that? I remind them, like, look at what you post. You post things only when you're looking good, only when you're having a great time. You're not posting pictures of yourself crying in your bedroom. Um, So you have to realize that other people are doing the same thing. It's not always rainbows and unicorns in other people's lives. People have struggles and issues just like you do, and and we just have to remember that. It's not it's not always as it seems. Well, what do people in your line of work say about oversharing? or sharing so much, um, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how do kids feel about it? You mean oversharing on social media? Yes. Yeah, well, you're talking you're, you're talking about <laughs> teenagers who think they know everything. So right. when you try to tell them, oftentimes they think you don't really know what you're talking about. But we just keep telling them, be careful what you share. Just mm-hmm. be careful what you share, their boundaries. Please maintain those boundaries. And a lot of kids do listen to that, and some don't. And so I guess that's one of the main things that you're hearing from the students is are the problems and when things don't go well, when they're sharing things. Right, right. And we'd, we just we want to encourage them to keep sharing. And that's, that's part of this program is that um, usually kids who make suicidal gestures, 
they do talk about it. They talk about it sometimes on social media. They talk about it in a journal for English class. They talk about it with their friends. Um, so they are, they are telling people that they're not doing well. And so the purpose of these suicide prevention programs is to help kids learn to act, to acknowledge, to care, and to tell someone. Um, because that can save lives. And so we, we depend on these students to come to us when they see things on social media. And that's how we get a lot, that's how we identify a lot of our students who are having trouble is through social media. Because kids have come to us to say, Ms. McDonough, so-and-so just posted this. What do you think? What should we do? And that's perfect. That's exactly what they want them to do. What we want them to do is come to a trusted adult because they don't they don't know how to handle this. Right. We, the adults do. All the adults in our building have been trained with how to deal with a student who might be at risk. Um, and there are lots of resources at the school. You know, there are the counselors, the social workers, the psychologists. There's one social worker and psychologist in every school. Mm -hmm. um, so for them just to come to any trusted adult in the school, that's great. We'll take it from there. You just need to let us know. When do the parents get involved? So the parents get involved as soon as we meet with a student and realize that they're at risk. We call them immediately and ask them to come up so we can meet with them or ask them to come up to take their child for an evaluation um, because we'll do a screener. And if they, if they score a certain number on the screener, then obviously we get alarmed and want to make sure that the student um, is safe and is going to get some treatment. That can be tough news for a parent to hear. Very hard news. Very hard news. Um, but I tell you, the parents I've dealt with have been amazing. They drop yeah. what they're doing. They come right up, and they're you know it's scary. It's very it scary. It is absolutely. Yeah, and so but there are resources, and we we can prevent suicide. We really can, by by following these guidelines that that Signs of Suicide has taught us. We can help prevent this. What about um, shows that depict suicide? You know, I think about Thirteen Reasons. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. It was a I few years ago. I was wondering if that was going to come up. Yeah, yeah, maybe three or four years ago that came out. Yeah. And uh, actually, I watched it, and I thought it was pretty uh, accurate um, of how people can can be in uh, a high school. Um, although there was a lot of drinking, <laughs> that kind of thing. I was yeah. surprised about that, so I don't know if how accurate all that was, but I mean, I don't have kids at home anymore, so I don't know exactly. <laughs> Mine are grown and gone. But I guess when I when I looked at that show and I thought about that show and the popularity of that show and young kids were watching that show, are shows like that that depict suicide pretty accurately or pretty harshly and the in the painful reality? Um, is that something that people with your background would recommend or does it open a conversation? What what do people say about well, that? Well, it, it can open the conversation. It's hard it's hard to say that your kids can't watch this because everybody right. has access to Netflix. It's on people's phones. Um, but my recommendation would be, as a parent, to say, "Hey, I heard that there's this show, Thirteen Reasons, um, on Netflix. Why don't we watch that together?" I would definitely recommend that parents watch that with their kids so that way they can answer any questions that come up or they can process. I, I, there, I think there's 10 or some, well, I guess there are 13 lessons 
um, or 13 episodes, but there's a lot to process after every episode. It could be a great, great discussion. And they have different seasons, too. I think there were three different seasons of the show, but the first one was the one that really had people talking. Right. Um, But the others... Um, how early do you think parents should have these discussions about self-harm and their feelings? And what do those early discussions look like for parents of younger kids who might be listening? Right. Well, I think the parents of younger kids, you know, you have to tailor it to their developmental level. Right. Um, and I, I think... I think so many parents are worried that if they say the word suicide, if they bring the word up, that they're putting that in their kids' minds. That's not true. Our kids are, they're very bright, and suicide Mm -hmm. is everywhere. It's all over the news. There are movie stars who've died by suicide. There are rock stars who've died of suicide. And then there are movies like the one we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Um, And it's all over social media. And so by bringing it up you're not introducing that topic to them they know about it Um, but what you are doing is you're offering them the opportunity to have a discussion with you and so for the younger kids if they you know if they are self-harming or if they are showing some sort of signs you need to have that conversation with them and come right out and ask have you had thoughts of hurting yourself Mm -hmm. have you thought about taking your life and it's really hard it's a really hard conversation for parents to have but it, it needs to happen and not only does it need to happen to give you further information, but it also gives the message to your child that we can talk about this. Right. Even though it's hard, we can talk about it. And we're going to get through it. I'm going to support you no matter what. Um, but it's important when you're asking questions to kind of ask open-ended questions, mm-hmm. and not a question that can be answered with a yes or a no, because that kind of brings the conversation to a halt. It right. doesn't really give you anywhere to go. So... Um, to have some open-ended questions, to really just listen and try not to say too much, um, to really resist the urge to jump in and fix it. Well, why don't you try this? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, I, I've had that. Why don't you try this? Don't As much as you want to do that, right. I'm urging you not to, just to let your child do the talking. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's important if you're, if you're concerned at any age to have the conversation dependent on the developmental stage. And if you're not sure how to have that conversation, call somebody and have them help you have that conversation with your child. Um, a mental health professional or consult with the social worker or psychologist at your child's school. They'll Absolutely. help you. And there are a lot of different programs, mental health first aid, um, the Cognito training programs. Mm-hmm. Do you know about those and how people can access those? Yes. Well, I know um, some of those are at the elementary level. I know the mental health first aid is at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, and those classes, those trainings are always very heavily attended and populated. The kids love that. Um, and you can find out about that, I think, through leadership classes or just kids can ask their counselor. And for Cognito, that. just go on to the FCPS website and do a search and you can find out how to do those simulations. They're quite interesting, I yeah. think. And hopefully people, if they have any concerns or they're just curious, we want people to check that out. Absolutely. Our, our website has a lot of material on it. We get it. We hear that all the time. If People can't find things, but just use that little question mark, that little uh, search bar, and put Cognito in there, and hopefully that'll help you. Um, one of the things about suicide is family history. Does that play a role? Um, you have an uncle or a grandfather 
or somebody in your family, or even your sister who's in college, her best friend? How does it play a role? Yes, family history of suicide definitely increases um, one's risk of suicide. The things that increase your risk are substance abuse, Mm -hmm. um, already diagnosed depression, or undiagnosed depression, and family history. Those are the big precursors. And really the family history is sort of, that's exposure to trauma. How does, and you you are trauma-informed, and that's one of your specialties. Talk a little bit about that, because I think the word trauma um, might fall on deaf ears to some folks, and it's an important uh, piece into people's life. And we don't say, why are they doing this? They say, what happened to this person? Talk about that a little bit. Exactly. So trauma can be just one single incident or you can have complex trauma where there's something like child abuse that happens over years or witnessing domestic violence over years. Um, and when you, when you experience trauma, whether it's an isolated incident or whether it's complex, it, it, has, it takes an emotional toll. And um, particularly anxiety and depression, those are the, some of the major um, mental health disorders that we see with some of our kids who've suffered trauma. And if that's not treated, then that could lead to suicide because you think about whatever has happened in your past, and if you're not able to talk about it, if you're not able to work through it, if you're not able to um, get yourself in a different spot, that's where we start to worry. I definitely think that having a a conversation, uh, maybe for a future podcast, about trauma-informed care and how... Um, everybody needs to sort of recognize and know what trauma is, not only in their children's lives or people they care about, but in themselves, that to give themselves that break. You've been exposed to trauma. This explains a lot. Right. 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 And you, while you can't undo the trauma, right. you can provide safe places for these kids. You can provide connection. It's really connection, 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 because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. Um, and if you provide that connection and you provide the safe place, um, oftentimes that helps kids kind of recenter and they're able to function better in the classroom just with those, just with those things, just with the safety, the consistency. I know that this is a safe place. I know that my teacher cares about me. Um, so again, it, it's not going to undo the trauma, but it's going to create a space that hopefully they'll be able to um, not focus so much on that and be able to move forward. Yeah, that that's that's what we all need. We need those connections and for people to to realize they're not alone and there are people who care about them. Yeah. And sometimes I think people just, especially now with the COVID, people right. are feeling isolated. Isolated, yes. And very, very alone. Yes. Um, where can people learn more about some of these issues that we're talking about? Well, um, like I said before, you can always reach out to the social worker or psychologist at your school mm-hmm. or a counselor. We're, we're all trained in this, and we all know what to do if we have students that we're worried about. Uh, but there are also great resources in the county. Um, there's the crisis link and hotline, mm-hmm. um, and there's also the FCPS tip line, which is the anonymous tip line where you can anybody can call in about concerns for mental health or not just mental health, really anything. I think we should be promoting that line, especially right now. I do too. So stand by. I'm going to have another podcast 
with somebody who works on that line and uh, talk about it. Because I think, as I always say, I've only been with Fairfax County Public Schools for a year, but I learn something every day. And when I learn it, I want to just tell everybody in our community, because I do know as a parent um, that it's hard and you have a lot of information that's being thrown at you. And it takes time to process, and none of us are able to capture everything that we need to know um, how to, to how to help our children through these these times. And we don't know the uncertainty of not knowing what's ahead is is really hard for a parent, yeah. not only for the child but for the parent, and that your child is looking to you and right. how you respond to this right. uncertainty. Right. So so it's a very unusual, tough time, I, I'd say, for everybody. But I like what you said about just staying connected and being connected and yeah. thinking about in your own life maybe how you can get more connected to people that you care about and that you know and maybe go to that next level with them of yeah. intimacy as far as having those real conversations, yeah. real, authentic, human conversations. Right. And, and the kids will appreciate that. They appreciate, they know when we're being authentic or not. I agree. They I know. completely and agree. And they, they appreciate when we are being authentic. Absolutely. I completely agree. And as hard as it is, that's really, that's all you have is that truth between yeah. you and your, your child. Yeah. And if you're not going to do it, who is? Right. right, right, right. And especially now that we're not in school, we really do look to parents to to provide this education for their kids since we're not able to do it right now. Um, so parents can talk to their kids, let them know what to look for, let them know what depression looks like. You know, these are the signs, you know, lack of sleep or too much sleep, um, losing interest in, in preferred activities, isolating yourself from other people, um, just all the signs and symptoms. Parents can teach their kids that, and they can teach their kids to listen to their friends, and they can teach their kids to act, to, mm -hmm. to go tell an adult if they're worried about a friend or if they think a friend is in crisis and needs some help. To be that gatekeeper yeah, for absolutely. someone else. We, we need parents now more than ever since we're not in the schools. So right. parents are a very crucial piece of this. They are. Thank you, parents, for listening. And thank <laughs> you for helping not only your child, but your child's friends and other children in our community. Because it really does. It takes everybody to have yeah. that caring and to go that extra mile sometimes. Yeah. But before I let you go, I want to ask you three quick questions. Okay. When was the last time you learned something new? Mm. Well, today. <laughs> As a matter of fact, well, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to find out who answers that tip line. <laughs> and I'm going to find out the origins of this program. Oh, okay, good. When was the last time you did something fun? Oh, two days ago. I took a nice long bike ride with my husband. Oh, nice. Where'd you go? Fun. Um, just up to Mount Vernon. And oh, back. nice. Mm -hmm. oh, that sounds about great. 15 miles round and trip. When was the last time you made a new friend? Oh, the last time I made a new friend. I would say probably several weeks ago. Um, I got together with some work colleagues and met somebody that I hadn't met before. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so that was meeting a new person. Yeah, it's been so strange, you know, to be disconnected physically I from know. people. I and know. I really miss that. I miss making new friends. It's so, hard. So I, I like know. to ask that to, in part, to show listeners that you can, even during a pandemic, 
find ways to meet people yes. and connect with people and make a new friend. Absolutely. So like thank you, question. Whitney, for being here today. And if you, my listeners, have a topic you'd like the Healthy Minds podcast to explore, please let us know. Send us your suggestions to healthyminds at fcps.edu. 